Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Hey, welcome to Politico Tech. Today is Monday, November 13th. I'm your host, Stephen Overly. The more that AI spreads into every aspect of our lives, the more it raises serious legal questions. Those questions are top of mind for tech companies as they press ahead with AI's development, especially because governments are just starting to figure out what rules are needed to hold them accountable. That's led companies to take proactive, entirely voluntary, measures to prove they can handle risks posed by the technology, including signing a White House safety pledge earlier this year. It's an attempt to show skeptical regulators that they can be responsible and well-behaved. Google has filed a pair of lawsuits today with that goal in mind. Both cases target internet scammers, and one of them in particular targets unidentified internet users who basically tried to spread malware by peddling a fake version of Google's AI chatbot called Bard. On the show today, I called up Google General Counsel Halima Delane Prado to tell me the motivation behind that lawsuit. She also weighs in on bigger questions, like whether Google should be responsible for its users' AI-generated content. Here's our conversation. Let's start out, you know, this lawsuit filed today, uh, I was reading it, targets unnamed internet users in Vietnam and India who are essentially trying to dupe people with a fake version of your AI, um, your, your generative AI software, Bard. What exactly are you looking to accomplish with this lawsuit? Yeah, so we're file, we file these lawsuits to basically ensure that we're protecting our users and our products um, through affirmative litigation. So effectively, we're filing the lawsuit because we want bad actors to know that we're comfortable using our resources to stop them from misusing our products and scamming other people. Um, also, we kind of want to set the legal precedent with lawsuits like these. Now, we're the first company to file an affirmative litigation around AI, and so this gives us an opportunity to actually set legal protections for users. Let's get into that sort of precedent setting because the identities of the defendants, you know, at least in this um, one lawsuit that's been filed related to Bard, those identities aren't known. So I wonder, you know, how far that lawsuit can actually get, and and then, you know, with that in mind, what what is the real precedent you're looking to set uh, with this? Sure. So by setting precedent, sort of even with cases where you don't know the individual identities of the defendants. You can get a judgment that actually sort of summary judgment or default judgment that declares this behavior as being unlawful. And then sort of it's, it, it's an easy deterrent, if you will, for others that are seeking to do the same thing and can actually lead to further discovery right, of bad actors and getting into actually highlighting platforms that they shouldn't allow this behavior to continue. So you'll notice that in this particular case, there were ads impersonating Google that were posted on other sites to encourage users to actually download malware that had been sort of incorrectly identified as Google Bard. It also allows those platforms to continue to sort of police for that type of activity as well. So there's downstream effects all around, even if it doesn't just impact these individual defendants. How common is this issue for Google, especially with your new AI tools, where you see kind of these scammers popping up? Um, you know, is this, I, I guess, a problem that extends beyond this one case? 
Unfortunately, I think there's always sort of scammers and malware in the world. Uh, that's, you know, it hits, it hits Google, it hits sort of most sort of uh, web, web platforms. We have always been committed to looking for opportunities where we can actually use litigation as a tool to actually further protect our users. So we've actually had a series of proactive litigation cases filed against um, scammers who have tried to scam senior citizens out of trying to buy a puppy. We have also filed lawsuits going after bad actors using malware bots to install malware on computers. And so as we work with our sort of trust and safety teams who are constantly monitoring our systems for abuse, we find certain instances where it's not just taking down um, bad actors or, or, or bad ads, but it's actually seeing where we can take that a step further. And so our team will actually sort of investigate certain scenarios to see if, in fact, we can take it a bit further with litigation or with a lawsuit. And so we've been doing that for a couple of years now. And what's the success rate here? I mean, do these affirmative lawsuits actually get the results you're, you're seeking? They do, actually. So in most of the cases within the past sort of two years, we've actually, have actually been able to successfully get judgment against the bad actors. In some cases, even getting fees for the lawsuit that we filed uh, related to those acts. We also sort of take it into a different approach as well, right? Protecting our users, yes, against malware and scammy sites, very important. But we look for other areas as well where we can file amicus briefs. So, for example, we'll try to actually look for issues where it's important for us to lend our voice to something that where we have a unique perspective. An example of that would actually be in immigration. So we thought a few years back it was important to talk about the STEM OPT case because we employ a diverse workforce and they fuel the products we develop. And so we had an opportunity to engage not just in sort of a filing a lawsuit, but actually now filing amicus briefs to make those points known. Let me ask you, you're um, a prominent legal mind in the in the tech world, being the general counsel at Google. And I understand you've been at the company for 17 years, roughly 18 years, roughly. So um, quite a long time. You know, Google came out ahead in a Supreme Court lawsuit earlier this year, um, you know, that was challenging Section 230, which you know all too well, is, is this legal statute uh, that is important to your business. It, it protects uh, internet companies from liability for their user-generated content. I wonder how you're anticipating those protections will be tested in an AI world as we all use generative AI more and, and these tools become even more ubiquitous than they are now. Sure. So with AI, the company aims to be bold and responsible. Within that notion of responsible with AI is the notion that we are putting forth a technology where we continue to use the same content moderation principles, the same notion of red teaming, safety reviews, um, AI principles employed from the implementation of a product to the fundamental sort of like public availability of that product. Now, the spirit of Section 230 is to allow for not just the Googles of the world, but mom and pop businesses, website owners, what have you, to be able to actually take those sort of content moderation decisions to make their products safer. And so with the spirit of 230, we do and will continue to employ that as we actually launch other features within AI. And so does that mean, you know, have you formulated a legal theory for Section 230 protections applying to AI generated content? So AI is sort of an emerging space, and I think as the law sort of figures out how to sort of shape um, or respond to it, I think the question on 230 and AI is still unanswered. I think what's noted is that 
actually sticking to the principles of Section 230 is what remains paramount independent of the actual statute itself. And that is something that we do sort of day to day as we work through our AI tools. And why, why is that so important? I guess, especially from Google's perspective, you know, obviously you're a much larger company now than you were when the search business got started. Um, and, and certainly here in Washington, there are some who question whether such a large company still needs those protections. I guess, what's your argument there? So Section 230 is the bedrock of the internet. Now, while Google is the beneficiary of that, this actually provides a safe harbor for all of our fundamental businesses that rely on the internet. A small website that actually wants to be able to moderate user reviews should not fall victim to a series of lawsuits based on those decisions, right? Um, their decisions to open up an online marketplace or an Etsy, if you will, also similarly impacted by Section 230. And so I think there, and the court sort of acknowledged this, right, value of 230 to the entire internet ecosystem, and that's important, and that should remain the same no matter what. We'll be right back. Let me ask you um, an antitrust question. You know, Google's involved in a major lawsuit. I know lawyers don't like to comment on ongoing litigation. Uh, so I, I, I understand that. But what I'm curious to have you weigh in on here is an argument I've heard recently that because AI models are trained on the Internet, trained on search and data, companies that you know, have already a, a large market position in that space have sort of an inherent advantage and perhaps unfair advantage in AI specifically generative AI. What do you make of that when you kind of hear that argument? So I, I, I will, in fact, be the lawyer. And, and because we're in the middle of arguing a specific case, I'm not going to get into specifics about the case. But I'll say overall this. As it relates to the case, people don't use Google because they have to. They use it because it's helpful. As it relates to AI, in terms of training models, Google has trained its models on what is based on the open web. So what is publicly available? And there is plenty of healthy and healthy competition in this innovative space. Now, this is from bigger companies that you're seeing to smaller companies who are coming up with purpose-specific or task-specific iterations of AI for niche tasks. And you're seeing that proliferate. And so, in fact, this is a good thing. I think the nascent sort of AI technology and what it's based on allows for innovation to flourish no matter the size of the company. And we're seeing that today. And, you know, you were, you were saying earlier that some of the questions around Section 230 and AI are, are yet to sort of be answered. I, I'm just curious, you know, in the work you do, what's the biggest legal question around AI that you that you have, but but don't think there is yet an answer for? Hmm. It's a really good question. I think right now, the biggest notion around AI is that it is too important not to regulate, but it's also too important not to regulate well. Hmm. That to me is the biggest question. So how do we go about it? You're seeing that movement now over the past week um, with varying governments joining together, issuing statements, principles about how to think about regulating AI well. There is incredible societal benefit to the use of AI. And I think it's really important to acknowledge those benefits, but actually to have a thoughtful notion of regulation that protects sort of users from unintended consequences. And so I think that's what folks are focused on right now, rightly so. And that's probably the biggest sort of question there, if only because this is going to actually impact the globe. And so getting it right matters. 
That's what worries you then about not getting it right? You know, what, what does getting it wrong potentially entail? I wouldn't say it worries me. I actually think the, the point of innovation is to innovate and regulation and how you respond to it is no different. So I think the thing that would worry me is if we stopped innovating, if we stopped asking the hard questions and coming up with ways in which we're sharing knowledge about how AI is deployed responsibly. So perhaps the thing that worries me would be inertia. Uh, but the thing that actually sort of inspires me about it is that people are having the right conversation. Google is leaning into that conversation meeting with regulators, thinking about and really sharing our concepts of bold and responsible, using lawsuits like this to show that it's not just about deploying AI, it's actually making sure that we're protecting our users who use those, those tools. Which is, I guess it's surprising somewhat to hear that because the, you know, some of the notion around regulation is that it could stifle that innovation you're, you're talking about. That for many people, I think, is the worry that you know, regulation will prevent that innovation or, or hold companies back from, you know, pursuing sort of the next frontier, if you will. There is a risk of that, to be sure. But that goes back to my point that AI is too important not to regulate well, right? And so as long as you keep sort of that North Star of understanding that regulating AI that both allows to sort of protect users, but continues to allow for the massive potential that it has to benefit the lives of others, balancing that, I think, is paramount. Well, listen, thank you for um, spending time with us. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. That's all for today's Politico Tech. For more tech news, subscribe to our newsletters, Digital Future Daily and Morning Tech. Music in today's show comes from the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Our senior producer is Annie Reese. Our editors are Steve Heuser, Daniela Cheslow, and Louisa Savage. I'm Stephen Overly. I'll see you back here tomorrow. <laughs>